We are completing our, our series today, Relationship Toolbox, where we've been looking at different tools that we can use in our relationships. And I, I just want to tell you, for the many of you who have reached out to say, your toolbox is the most awkward toolbox I've ever seen. It's got nothing you can build things with. Um, well, thanks, you're right. I'm not a handy person. So for the others of you who have been like, if you need help with things, tell me, because you can't fix things like that. So thank you. Um, thank you. And I figured just to stick with our theme of, of you know, my awkward toolbox, uh, things that I would, might bring to, if I were on a project, I thought we would stop and look at something that you might bring to work if you were working on site that would be highly crucial, highly important, and you would stop to do, and that is lunchtime. Yes, someone just, yeah, you feel that, right? Lunchtime. And I thought, you know, today we're going to look, the brown paper bag, and we're going to look at an orange. Uh, just real quick, uh, has anybody ever eaten an orange, right? Give me, go ahead, give me, we're going to do some feedback here, a little bit back and forth, okay. Um, when you're eating an orange, does anybody just kind of like bite right in? Okay, yeah, some of you are like, yeah, I do that. No, you're a liar. Um, no, none of us really bite right in, right? We don't bite right in. That's not how we eat an orange. That's, that's how we eat an apple, the thin skin that's there. You bite right into that flesh. Um, have you ever tasted the peel, the rind of an apple or of a orange? What, what does that taste like? It is bitter. Who said that? That was really strong. Like, real quick, like, it's bitter. Um, it's bitter. And... If you want to get to the orange, to the flesh of this orange, you've got to work through this rind. You've got to get through that skin to get to where you can eat this orange. And when you get to the flesh of this orange, man, it, it becomes fragrant, right? It's soft. It's juicy. It's tender. It sounds like the fish in the Lord of the Rings as I say that. Um, it's very different though. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing when we get to the inside, but we don't want to eat that outside. Yet oranges have developed this protective layer on the outside. And, and they have that protective layer because if the flesh of this orange gets bruised, it immediately will start to decay. It'll immediately start to rot. Um, oranges have this rind because they don't have the ability to heal themselves. It will immediately start and there's no reversing it. They have a thick skin that protects them when they're on the trees. If they fall, they don't immediately start going bad. They've got this bitter taste to the rind so that when animals or bugs are going at it and trying to get it and like, oh, here we go, it may not want this orange because the rind protects it. Does that make sense? Now, it's all about protection. That's what this orange is all about. On the inside, it's tender, it's sweet, and it's life-giving. You know, when it comes to the relationships that we have, I cannot think of a more accurate example of our hearts than this orange. You see, we always establish our relationships at Crossbridge. We, we recognize that every one of them is messy. Amen? They're all dysfunctional in some sort of way. You get hurt, I get hurt, we hurt people. There is a bit of a mess in every relationship that we have with people. And sometimes what happens is we allow a hard, thick, bitter peel to form around our hearts. The same way the orange has this. And we do that to protect ourselves. And when our hearts become bruised or wounded in relationships, we, we begin to protect it. We wrap it up with bitterness. And if it happens again, we begin to make that 
that bitterness or that protection just a little bit thicker. And over time, if we are not careful, we allow this thick peel of bitterness to completely envelop our hearts. And what it does is while we feel protected, it keeps us from sharing who we really are with those who are around us. All people get from us is toughness, bitterness. And they have this bitter taste in their mouth when they walk away from a relationship with us. And, and to be honest, and I know this probably won't be a popular thing to say, but I honestly think this is what gets in the way of many of us having transparent, genuine, real relationships and having friends that were like, I, I could, we're wrapped in bitterness. And it's hard to be in relationship with us sometimes. You know, the bad news about oranges is simply this. Um, they won't heal once they're bruised. But the good news for us today when it comes to our relationships, when it comes to each other, and it comes to our hearts is that Jesus designed a process so that our hearts can be healed. Unlike oranges who will always go downhill, our hearts can be renewed, our hearts can be healed, and the process that he has set up for us is called forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is the process that, God, that Jesus gives us to restore and to bring healing to our hearts you know, when you look into the Old Testament, there's a great book called Proverbs that's filled with wisdom. And in here, a father writes to his son in the fourth chapter, something I just, I love this. He says in verse 23, he says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Here we have a dad begging his son, you've got to pay attention to your heart. And, and when he uses that word guard, he's not saying like you need to be ready to, you know, battle. He's saying the Hebrew word here means you, you, you got to watch this. Keep an eye on your heart. Why? Because the rest of your life is determined by the state that your heart is in. And in that chapter, he continues to go on and give these words of wisdom to his son to say, listen, everything and the way that you look at the things that are around you will be determined by your heart. The words that you speak out of your mouth will be determined by your heart. The way and the quality that you bring yourself and you engage in others in your relationships will have to do with your heart. So you better guard your heart because it's gonna point the direction of the rest of your life. So this means for you and I, that we have a choice every time we're wounded. Every time we feel hurt or bruised or someone does something that hurts us and we know it, we have a choice. We can either protect our wounds with bitterness or we can let Jesus heal it. Most of us protect it. And, and I get that. I, I totally do. When I broke my ankle in the beginning of January, it was very good that I had a boot and it was protected. Uh, I, I didn't necessarily need the boot 100% at night to shine, but I needed the protection because I got stepped on three times on the dance floor. I knew it was going to happen. Was I going to get frustrated? No, because I was protected. I knew that. Even now, I've got a brace that's on and, and it's like, oh, good. What's the brace for? It's to keep me from doing too much. It's to protect me. When we get hurt, we protect ourselves. That's not a bad thing. That's a God-given you know, gift to us so that we don't keep going into something. But the problem with our hearts and our souls is we do the same thing when we are wounded 
And then our hearts and our souls begin to try to protect themselves. So whenever we are around anything that remotely, you know, smells, looks, or feels like something that we had an offense about before, something that wounded us in our own story, when we catch a whiff of that, do you know what we do? We run from it to protect ourselves. We run from it. And that is until you and I have experienced healing from Jesus in our hearts and in our souls because when we experience healing from Jesus through the process of forgiveness, we're going to find ourselves being able not just to be around those situations, but to be back in relationships with people without fear. Without fear. That is what I hope and I pray for us as a church, for us at Crossbridge, that there would be a sense of supernatural healing from Jesus through forgiveness. And so I I, want to look today very simply at two questions. Why? Why do we have to forgive? And then, how in the world am I supposed to forgive? What am I going to do with this? And so, let's always start with the why. Why in the world do we forgive? I'd like to look at the passage that Ruby had read for us so wonderfully from the letter of Paul to the church that's in Colossae, this city. Um, Remember, this is a letter that's written to who? To what kind of people? To a church, okay? It's to a church. So we're going to make an assumption today, and I think a pretty good assumption, that the people that he's writing to are in a relationship with God, that they have chosen to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. And in the very middle of that passage that Ruby read, it, it reads this in verses 12 and 13. Why? Why? Since God shows you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. What we have here is Paul telling Christ followers, you need to, you must, you have to extend grace and forgiveness to other Christ followers. That's what he's saying here. Remember who it's written to and what he's talking about. And, and I know this might sound a little crazy, but um, why in the world would you have to tell a group of people who follow Jesus altogether that they're going to have to forgive each other? Surprise, you may get hurt at church. I'm not sure how we've come to some weird idea that If I choose to follow Jesus and I go to church, everyone there is going to be perfect. Everyone there isn't going to have any issues. I'm never going to have to get hurt in church. That happens in school. That doesn't happen in youth group. That happens, you know, no, this is a church. We love Jesus and so we don't hurt people. Has anybody besides me ever been hurt at church before? Okay, a handful of you, cool. Then maybe Crossbridge is different than, than that, but I don't think so. Church hurts people, and I know that. I know that because bad things happen in churches. There are tensions. There are disagreements. There is pain. There is hurt. And Paul's advice to this church is forgive each other. Forgive each other. And you forgive each other because you were forgiven, then that's why you forgive. And please hear me for a second. I know that not all church hurt is the same. I know not all church hurt is the same. There are um, 
times when, I'll be honest with you, one of the churches that I worked at was a pretty abusive church, and I worked under a, um, abusive, in an abusive situation, and I don't throw that out haphazardly, like, you know, or nonchalantly, like, it doesn't matter, like, it was, it was toxic, and that type of hurt took some very intense counseling to work through and to, to find myself where I could be in community again, and it was not easy, so I, I'm not saying all church hurt is the same, but there are some stupid things that we get ticked about with each other. There just are. We get upset over some of the dumbest things. I, I'm tired of kind of fielding issues with, could you believe what they wore to church? I've caught that before. I don't really care what they wear to church. They showed up today. They were here to worship God. I don't think God's looking at that. I, I've heard people, Pastor Jimmy, when I walked in, someone before me got greeted more enthusiastically than I did. How come I'm not greeted that way? I'm like, maybe because you talk to people that way. Right? I mean, come on. Is that worth complaining about? But we do. We find things to complain about all the time. You know, you know the people that, that I thought were my friends, they went out. And, and when they went out, they didn't invite me. Okay? You should say something to them. Uh, well, number one, I wasn't invited either. Uh, number two, I'm not their boss. And number three, if this is the way you treat people, I would not want to invite you either. Like, this, is, this would not be fun. Right? Why, why are you complaining to me about this? We have bitterness that wraps our heart up. When we are hurt, we all of a sudden say, I've got to protect myself. I've got to guard myself. Right? I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to do this garbage. I don't want to feel this stupid stuff. Call me crazy when you show up in a group where other people are expect to be hurt. I know that sounds horrible, but it's just reality. If there's other people in the room with you, you can expect, especially as a follower of Jesus, Jesus, that you will be hurt. You will be wounded. And we can expect it in church and as followers of Jesus, if we can expect to be hurt, then you should expect to have to forgive people. Expect when you step into a relationship, maybe instead of where's this going to lead, it's I wonder when I'll forgive them for the, for the first time right? Because this is going to have to be extended. This is what we do. But if we don't have forgiveness as the first response on our heart, what do we do when we're hurt? We protect ourselves. And so throughout church history, how has hurt been handled? We split, we divide, we separate. And now we have another denomination. And now we have another denomination and another denomination. And if you are frustrated at things at Crossbridge and you're like, that's it, I'm leaving. Okay, we love you. We will bless you and pray for you as you leave, but you will not find a church where you won't find something wrong. At least here we tell you there's lots of things wrong. We're open about it. We're trying to figure this out, but we're going after Jesus together. That's what's right. And if you keep leaving churches, if you keep running when you are hurt, you will end up at a church of one. And the only person you'll complain about then is you. You'll be alone with a bitter heart and maybe even holding it against God and blaming him because it sure couldn't be you. We're around each other. This is going to be difficult. Amen? It's just hard. And what Paul tells us in this letter is he looks to the church and he says, you are going to have to learn to forgive if you want to maintain unity. 
Because true community in a church will never happen without forgiveness. True community in your family, in, at work, in your, your sports teams, or your homework groups, or a band, or anything. True unity will not happen if you cannot forgive each other. This is the essence of what we have to do. So don't be shocked when you have to extend forgiveness at church. Because at some point, you'll be hoping to receive it as well. This is what Paul's talking about. This is what he's going after in this passage. And, and he tells them right in the beginning about forgiveness. I just love, in verses one and two, this is how Paul starts that chapter, chapter three. He says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Paul starts this section where he's gone through all these lists of things and he says there are things to think about. There are things of earth to think about and he goes on for a couple of verses about what those things of earth are and then he says there are things in heaven that we should be thinking about. He starts by saying there are two different camps of thinking. And over the next couple of verses in that end, he uses forgiveness in 12 and 13 to say, listen, forgiveness is one of those heavenly things to think about. If you've got to fix your eyes on something, heaven is going to say forgiveness. Forgiveness is not an earthly principle. This is not something we are wired to do naturally. It's only in a relationship with God that we can understand forgiveness. Why? Because forgiveness is a heavenly gift. It is from heaven. It is not earthly. And so we have to be intentional about thinking about forgiveness because it's not natural. Does that make sense? This is not an earthly thing for us. The other reason that we know forgiveness is a heavenly principle is because it frees us. It frees us. It's amazing how often we think that when we forgive somebody, we're doing them a favor. Maybe, maybe it's true if someone comes to you with a very repentant heart and they say, Will, I, they are so sad about what they have done, they apologize and they ask for your forgiveness. Yes, it is a gift and a grace to them when you extend that. But really, forgiveness, it's about our own freedom. Freedom for us. Does anybody know who this is? Any idea? This is Carl Sheffers. Carl Sheffers. Um, I know that he has offended many of you in this room today. Many of you. You look a bit confused. You don't know who this is, do you? Um, uh, let me show you him in his work uniform. That helps. <laughs> oh, see there? Oh, now you're like, oh, I know that guy. Oh, I know Carl Sheffers. Carl Sheffers, he's the referee at the Super Bowl that made that holding call. He's the one who made it with two minutes left and it shouldn't have been a <laughs> Yeah, see, I know. You're already working it. I see you bubbling. You're like, what do I do? Can I tell you something amazing about Carl? He could care less if you forgive him. He's, he's maybe at church right now or sleeping right now or playing golf right now. Do you think he cares about your forgiveness? Not at all. Not even a little bit. Can I tell you what he cares about? Not that. But it will eat you up. And some of us, if you're that wound up about this repentance and saying this is wrong and I'm going to extend forgiveness to Carl is not for Carl. It's for you so that you will not be carrying this around until the next time the Eagles go into the Super Bowl and you're thinking, Carl better not be there. 
you will never see him. He doesn't care. I know it's silly, but come on, let's be real. We are all going to have situations where people hurt us and they have no idea they've done it and they don't care if we forgive them or not. So the choice of forgiveness is really on us. Are we going to resent someone until they care enough to apologize to us? Is that the way we're going to do it? If I resent them, maybe they'll turn. If you want to be free, you're going to have to forgive them because it benefits you. That's a gift of heaven. That's why we think on these things. Forgiveness helps you get free. It helps you stop being bitter. Your resentment does not make the other person pay. It makes you pay. That's what resentment does. And the last thing in verses 11 or 12 and 13 that Ruby read for us earlier that we have to pay attention when it comes to forgiveness as a heavenly principle is that it is the result of us being saved. For those who have placed their trust in Jesus, it says this, uh, it says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, and then he says later, and forgive anyone who offends you. He starts with, since you've been chosen, I'm not going to get into some deep theological conversation that's divided so many churches on, did God choose you or did you have the free will to follow him? Listen, bottom line in here is it says, he's chosen you. He's picked you out of a group to be holy. So he separated this holy people and it would distract from the message. It's like, well, do you have free will to follow him? Sure, the Holy Spirit's got to prompt your heart and this is beautiful. But listen, here's what I believe is that when you choose to follow Jesus and choose to continue to take steps in his direction, you are a child of God. Okay, so let's just pause for a second and just say, I'm a child of God because it's going to make a difference. Can you just, on the count of three, I'm a child of God. One, two, three. I'm a child of God. Yeah, you sound so excited about that. Can I tell you, when you really embrace and love and know at the core of who you are that you are a child of God, what other people think about you matters so much less. It matters so much less when you know that you've been knit together by a creator who knew you before you did, who knew you before your parents did. That he so deeply loves you and calls you my son. He calls you my daughter. When you know that you have been chosen by God, that he sees you and he knows you, the things around you look mighty different. We just sang a couple of minutes ago about to God, you amaze me, you redeem me. And what's that last phrase? You call me as your own. You call me as your own. When we understand our chosenness in God, when people make stupid remarks about us or, or make, you know, make fun of us, our hobbies, the way that, the, that we, the music we listen to, the things we like to do, it becomes almost like duck feathers where that stuff rolls off your back. You can laugh at things much better. Even yesterday, or was it Friday, um, Eileen and I were in the car and uh, we were driving up to North Jersey and uh, it was so, I made some silly comment about, I can't wait till I'm a funny old guy. Like when I get older and I'm going to be funny and I was like, I can't wait. I think I'm going to be a pretty funny old guy. And with the cutest, um, most innocent look that she has, she turned and she's like, well, you are already a funny old guy. And I laughed. 
I laughed and I thought, this is great. Could someone take offense to their spouse calling them, you know, funny and old? Yes, but I knew her and it was playful. It was so silly. But those things have a way of sticking with some of us. Why? Because we don't remember that we're children of God and we're going to put too much value in that and say, that's, that's not who I am. Don't say, whoa, 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 whoa. It was silly. Duck feathers, people. Let it roll. It's not that big of a deal. Because I know who I am. You know who I am? I am a child of God. That's who I am. I'm not losing sleep over that. If you know you're chosen, you know you're a child of God, a little offenses should roll right off you. Could you imagine how different your day would be if you started it thinking, my God, my Father, I am your child today. What do you want to say to me? Instead of waking up and thinking, I don't really want to go to school today because I don't know what they're going to say to me. I don't really want to go to work today because I don't know what they're going to say. You've missed the most important voice already, the voice of your father. And so Paul reminds the church in verse 13 to make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Why do we forgive? Because we have been forgiven. Because we have been forgiven. And this may be new to some here, if you're newer to um, church or faith, that, that hello, you, you need to be forgiven, just like I do. We have sin in our life, sin being anything that separates us from God, that does not love people or love God. Um, anything that displeases our creator, is sin and it separates us from him. And because we are separate, we need forgiveness of that sin to be back in relationship. And if you are in a relationship with God, you are forgiven, amen? This is great news for us, but because we're forgiven, we're expected then to forgive. How dare us think that we could withhold something from someone and hold it over them. I'll forgive them when. Wait a second. But we've been forgiven because we have offended the only holy creator there ever is and was and will be. In his holiness, he says, I forgive you. Now you need to, you have to, you must extend forgiveness. If we don't, we're basically saying that we think we're better than that person and don't even need God's forgiveness in our life. That's what we're saying. Have you received and experienced his forgiveness? I mean, like experienced, experienced it. Not just like I know about it, we sing it, but have you experienced to where you know you are forgiven? You don't have to keep apologizing and confessing that same sin over and over and over thinking, but if I, if I say forgive me another 50 times, then maybe God will really forgive me. No, if you've meant it the first, you are forgiven. But some of us, we continue to confess the same sins over and over because we've not experienced his forgiveness. The moment you experience Yes, experience for yourself his forgiveness. You're no longer confessing that same sin because you truly believe what Jesus did on the cross for you and me was enough. It is forgiven and done. And if it comes back, that's the enemy fighting you. That is not God going one more time and maybe it's there. We do that. God does not. Could we just pause really quick and just pray? I just want to pray for you to experience that real quick. Jesus, I, I long, oh, Jesus, I long that we could experience 
the truth of what it means to be made clean, like in 1 John, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful, you are just, you will forgive us our sins, and you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. May we experience, truly experience what it means to be cleaned. That our sin is no longer ours because we've confessed it to you, laid it on you, and you've said, I've got that covered, my child. Would we experience that so we can extend that to others? In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. When you receive the forgiveness, you're going to have to learn how to extend it. And extending forgiveness, um, I just want to really quick look at a passage from Jesus where Jesus talks in the Sermon on the Mount in his biography written by Matthew. And he's teaching his disciples how to pray. And in the Lord's Prayer, this prayer that many of us know, right in verse 12, he, he says this, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. For if you forgive others, in verse 14, If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus isn't joking around here, is he? He's not sugarcoating forgiveness. This is very strong. It's direct. It's demanding of every follower to do something with this. There is a direct connection between our forgiveness of others and God's forgiveness, the Father's forgiveness of us. When you look at verse 12, it's important to highlight the word that Jesus uses when it comes to forgiveness. He says, forgive us our, what's that word? Debts. A lot of times, depending on the church tradition you grew up in, you know that moment you're all praying, it's like, Lord, forgive us our And we all do that because you don't know if they're going to say, forgive us our debts, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our sins, forgive us our, you know, like no one knows what the word is. And so I think we missed something massive in this moment. Debt is canceling when we, when we forgive, we cancel a debt. That's what we're doing. We're canceling a debt. This is a really practical way to look at this whole process. And my buddy, uh, Jim Rudd, he's a pastor over in Philadelphia. He's got uh, developed, not developed, but he's kind of helped identify a four-step process to how to forgive someone. I have just found it so helpful. And I was like, Jim, can I share this with our church? He's like, please, here. And so the, if you want to learn how to extend forgiveness, let's keep that debt idea in mind, that we're canceling a debt. The first thing that you're going to have to do is you're going to have to identify the offense. Part of identifying the offense is identifying the person who has offended you. This has to be specific. It cannot be general. You can't say, well, I forgive all Democrats. I forgive all Republicans in Jesus' name. No, 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 no. They haven't all offended you. There's someone specific who has offended us. And what, uh, if you begin to extend vague forgiveness, you're going to get vague relief. That's what you get. You have to be specific. Who is it that you need to forgive? What specifically is the offense that they have? What did they do? Was it something that they said? Was it something that they did? Was it something they should have done and did not do? What exactly is the offense? And who exactly is the offender? This is basically you're identifying the debtor, okay? You're identifying the debtor. Does that make sense? The second step after that is you need to identify the perceived debt. Identify the perceived debt. And, and um, what do they owe you? What do they owe you? Jim puts this perceived in parentheses simply because uh, what you think they owe you may be your opinion on the matter. It may not be what they really owe you, right? Um, and it, this usually has nothing to do with money. This is you owe me, you know, an apology, 
They owe me an explanation. They owe me 10 years of my life back. You owe me. You got to identify it. What exactly do you feel like they owe you? What is the exact debt? And this is going to be where forgiveness comes in, okay? The third step is you have to release them from the debt. You are canceling. You are absolutely canceling what you believe they owe you. If they owe you an apology, you're basically saying to them, I'm not waiting for your apology anymore. I release you. And you will never say that to them. You won't get the the goodness like I would want to and be like, yeah, guess what? I'm releasing you and taking it like, uh, what? Nope, this is you saying what I think you owe me, you no longer owe me. You release them. And the truth is, I'll be honest, I don't think most people can repay what we think they owe. If it was that toxic relationship that did not go the way that you wanted, way back in time, you cannot go back. Can, can someone give you 10 years of your life back? If you lost someone due to um, a, a mistake someone else made in the hospital, drunk driving, it was you know, a bad whatever, and, and they passed away, can they bring that family member or loved one back? No. No, most people can never repay what we think they've stolen from us. So it's on you. Are you going to add 10 years of resentment to the 10 years that you lost already? That's simply going to drive you nuts, isn't it? That just, you're the one who's paying at that point. Even longer for something that you should forgive because forgiveness frees you. And there are two ways that you could forgive. Unilaterally, which simply means that whether they repent or not, um, what Jesus did on the cross is he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Right? They could care less if Jesus said, I forgive you. They didn't care. He had to do this unilaterally. It was outside of the real issue. It, this doesn't mean you go to them and you explain why you're forgiving them. I would love to do this, wouldn't you? Make that laundry list of debts and be like, this is what I'm forgiving you of. You don't get to do that. You just forgive. Or it could be transactional. And this is if someone comes to you and asks for forgiveness, as a follower of Jesus, you are obligated to extend forgiveness. If it's a big thing, you can even say, I want to forgive you, but I need to work towards that and may need some time to work towards that. But you have to move and understand a place of forgiveness is where you're going. You have to do this. You have to do this. If you cannot do this and someone has hurt you so bad where you're in a place where you're saying, I cannot forgive them, I need to ask you, do you even understand the gospel of Jesus? This is what it's all about for us in our relationships. Withholding forgiveness cannot be part of our faith. Um, It cannot be. So the fourth step, we've identified the offense, we've identified the debt, we've released them from the debt. The last thing that you need to do is bless them. You pray for their goodness. Pray blessings over them. Pray for restoration over them. Pray for hope and future over them. You need to do this regularly and the Lord will change your heart as you think about them. You want them to do well. When they do, bless them and celebrate with them. Don't hold it against them because that resentment only gets you. Speak well of them. Why? Because this frees you. This frees you. That's what this is about and why it's a heavenly thing. And so I'd like together to just practice something very 
quickly and to try to help work through this with our orange. And for everybody who's here today, we have a bunch of oranges right up front in person. And I would love for everyone, even if you're like, I'm not doing what Pastor Jeremy says, I don't like this stuff, then just come and grab one um, and take it home with you. You may want to do this later or you just may want to eat it. And it's fine, let's do it. So if you could, uh, if everybody could just come, grab an orange, don't peel it and take it back with you. And if you're like, I'm not getting up, I'll point you out, I promise. All right, I want everyone to take an orange. So remember, you're not peeling them yet. You're not peeling them yet. And I, I love being able to get practical and use things tangible. And, and maybe when you grab an orange later in your day, you're going to be like, dang it, Jimmy. Um, you can also blame Jim Rudd because he gave me the idea. So as you have your orange, go ahead and just kind of smell it really quick. Your orange, your clementine, whatever kind of special oranges, I don't know. uh, There's like a hundred different kinds now, I don't know. So you have your orange. Um, Here's what I would like for you to do for a second is just to look at it and recognize today this is going to be an illustration of your heart. This is the way that your heart looks right now and there may be a sense of um, understanding underneath this your heart is tender and real but there's some bitterness that you carry. There is someone that you're having trouble forgiving. There's unforgiveness there and I want you to have that person in your mind right now. Have that person in mind. Who is it that I'm having trouble forgiving? Where am I carrying this bitterness towards? And I would love for you just to, to lay your hand on that orange and not in some like magical way, but asking God, God, in this moment, would you just help me feel like what I'm carrying is just sitting in this orange now? It's not in my heart. I'm gonna put it here. I'm gonna let it rest here for a second. I want you to associate your bitterness with the orange peel. I know you think it's there to protect you, and, but it's keeping us from something that God wants. In order to forgive, we have to break through this bitterness. If you would, would you just maybe start somewhere in there and just, if you could, take off a, maybe a piece of that rind. Just a piece. It's slippery on the inside, careful. You know, for some, maybe getting right into there is the hardest part and you're thinking, I'm gonna puncture it, I'm gonna hit. This is like forgiveness, isn't it? Sometimes the first couple steps are the hardest steps for us to take. But, um, Go ahead, smell it. It's not, not that bad, right? And, and go ahead, just take nibble on it. Oh, the skin. The skin. I could see your faces right now. You're like, why? Why? This is disgusting. Is this what people experience when they're in relationship with you? When they leave, do they go, oh, because this is what bitterness does is we think it protects us but it actually pushes people away. Go ahead and just start taking off all that rind. As you're taking it off, this is us saying, I've identified that there's bitterness. I identified there's issues, but I'm I'm gonna choose to forgive in this moment. I'm gonna choose to say, I don't want this to be part of my life. And, And 
as you have that peel, what, what are you going to do with this when you're done? You're going to throw it away. Anybody keeping this in, as a trophy? Anybody keeping this to want to hold to somebody else to say, look at all that I forgave you? No. No, that's not what we do with this. We, we say to Jesus, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this. It's not mine. And we're choosing to cancel that debt. And now you have this beautiful orange. Go ahead and just take one of those segments off. Smell it. You got juice on your hands. It's all kind of nasty. And you're like, oh, like I'm going to stink like oranges all day. It's not a bad thing. Can you smell the oranges around you right now? Could you imagine what it would be to the culture around us if we lived without bitterness and they experienced beauty, tenderness, the sweetness, the aroma of Christ all over us with forgiveness? Tell me this isn't somewhere people would want to be a part of. It's inviting. Go ahead, taste it. Well, I think you're back here. Do you want a piece? Oh, you got one here. Hey, go, you know what? Go ahead and share one with the people next to you. If you, you're close to them or you know them, share it with someone you trust that you're thinking, hey. It's great. Can I tell you what bitterness does? Bitterness robs us of the silly, simple conversations of the people around us. Unforgiveness wraps itself around our hearts, and this is never what God intended. This is why we celebrate communion, is because while an orange will never recover, from this point on, your orange is on its way to decay. But what Jesus Christ does for us is he forgives us, and he makes hearts that are stone into hearts that are flesh. Hearts that are tender. Your bitterness and unforgiveness does not define you. That's not who you are. If you have placed your hope and your trust in Jesus, you are a child of God. And you have received his forgiveness and we get to extend that to others. It makes life hard, but expect to have to do this. As we close today, we're gonna close by celebrating communion and also recognizing that for some, you you just cannot get yourself to a place of forgiveness today. You're thinking, I'm not. I cannot. You don't know what they did. And I'm saying, you're right. I don't. I don't need to know. I don't want to know. But I know Jesus Christ knows and he loves you. And he wants you to be healed from this because it's ruining your life. Resentment is stealing from you, not giving to you. And so we'll celebrate communion with the body and the blood of Christ, the things that that point us to what he's done for us. And then after service, if you're like, Jimmy, it's just too deep and I don't know what to do. I've tried. I believe that Jesus heals our hearts. I believe it through and through that our souls and our hearts can be healed by him. We would love to just pray over you and pray with you. Pray that you would experience the truth of forgiveness. And if you would love to be prayed over today or you're nervous, we'll be right up front here praying and just would love to pray over you. We believe this is forgiveness. So would you stand with me as we celebrate communion? God, we thank you that you have called us your own. You love us. You forgave us and that you've given us a gift of a heavenly thing to forgive others. Would this be a tool that we use in our homes, 
that we use in our schools, that we use at work, that we use on our teams, and that all of South Jersey and where those are watching online are from, would this be an aroma that reminds us, am I carrying the aroma of Christ of forgiveness? That I will forgive others and people would say, why is that so different? And expect we're gonna get wounded. And we're gonna have to forgive again and again and again because each time we come to you, you forgive us again and again and again. Thank you, Jesus. We celebrate your body and your blood together in Jesus' name. Amen.